Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for a peculiar podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. It's <laughs> just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Yeehaw! Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. And away we go. There are signs of spring. Not all of them are great. I found a bug walking on the floor of our house yesterday. Kind of a big creepy bug. But you know what? It was good to see him. Because it means... Spring is coming, summer's on the way. Oh, by the way, how are you? I'm good, but ha- good. Ha- aren't there bugs that, not all the bugs don't like go croak for the Well, winter. maybe not here, maybe not in this wonderful environment that you live in, but as I have mentioned on this podcast, we have been, my wife and I have been living down in central Oregon, where they have had, not all the time, but part of the time, but we're down there, but they have had historic snowfall down there. In Bend, and it is, it's in Bend, Oregon. It's so cold, and the snow won't melt. Uh, it, it will rain, but it doesn't rain enough combined with a warmer temperature to, to get rid of all this snow, and it has been going on for weeks now, and I've had it. Okay, but and, you're saying and, and so in to, a long about way that no bugs are living there right now. And I don't even know how they, I don't know how they could survive. It is so bitter, cold, and horrible. Uh, but this bug he came what kind of bug was he he was kind of um thank you for asking he was kind of a flat bug it, it was looked like a beetle kind of a beetle a, a beetle of sorts and but normally what would you do if you see a bug in your house you well me i'll scoop him up and i'll put him outside but I'm i a, said i'm gonna leave this guy in here he's not bothering me and he's gonna freeze if i put him outside oh my god what has happened to you Well, it's nothing new. I really? Wow. I mean, I'm not. Maybe that is new. I don't know. I'm not judging you. I think it's lovely and compassionate, but I think it's just a little little uh, above the call of duty. I think you've gone beyond the call of duty with the bug here. What is the fine line? I mean, which uh, living creatures can you say, I'm getting rid of, I'm killing that one? Yeah, you're on your own, buddy. And which ones? 
I, I would say pretty much all of the bug variety. Every bug. You're on your Any own. Bu- what about ladybugs? Uh, ladybugs are really, yeah. And you know why? Because yeah. for one, they're called ladybugs. <laughs> so that, that sounds nice. Who wants nice. to kill a lady? And they have those pretty colors and, you know. They're cute. They could be, there could be a bug that's horribly ugly that does the same task as a ladybug, which is to go after other bugs in your garden. But we would kill the ugly bug because it is ugly. Yeah. It would be a ladybug. It'd be like a guy bug. Now, would you save the spider and say, oh, gosh, honey, it's too cold for you out there. I'm going to leave you in here. I don't smash spiders. No, but would you leave them in your house over the winter because it's too cold for them outside? Yeah, I would. You would leave them in your house? I wouldn't leave a black widow or a a black widow or a brown recluse. If the brown recluse is as reclusive as he's supposed to be, I'd leave him alone. But if he comes around... <laughs> if he then, starts running after you. Yeah, then, then I'll, I'll call an audible in that case. I think part of it is my wife... The influence of my wife, yeah. whom I've been married to for decades. She's one of the kindest, kindest, loves, most loves compassionate animals. people. Yeah. It's like you. And living you, things that... Yeah, you can't handle, uh, you know, video of animals being abused in any way. And she's like that, too. Yeah. And it's taught me to be like that. Having said all of that, my very first date with my wife, and I, and I grew up in a house. We had a couple of dogs my dad would bring dogs in, and they never worked out. There would be uh, some kind of problem with it. They'd be biting neighbors or something like that, and we would. My dad would then be obligated. Well, I, I guess I gotta, I gotta get this dog out of the neighborhood, yeah. out of the house. And uh, so we would have lesser pets than that. Uh, and my dad famously bought my brother and I hamsters. Don't one time. don't you've already told this story, mm-hmm. and you've told it on the podcast, okay. and I don't want to hear it again. All right, well, I won't tell it again. Uh, it doesn't those, end well. Anyway. And for those of you that want to know the story, it's on one of our podcasts. Yeah. Shoot me an email; I'll give you the podcast number, or you can just write Pat. Now you see at peculiarpodcast.com, <laughs> and he'll call you up and tell you the story. Yeah, okay. But you're assuming I was about to launch into the story, which would be so uncharacteristic of me. <laughs> To tell a story for the upteenth time. It would be. Just as it would be uncharacteristic for me to play this song in connection with that story. Hamster, hamster, by candlelight. Do it in a casserole, is do it right when they're in season. Sure, I might tell the story. They're pretty pleasing. But I would never play this tasteless song on our podcast. Hamster sandwich. Hamster and cheese. It's revolting. Hamster sandwiches with mayonnaise are delicious. Oh, come on. This is sick. And so nutritious. That's why I wouldn't play it. It doesn't belong on the podcast. You can dice, you can slice and fillet them. Maybe people are trying to eat right now. Cut off their heads and saute them. I mean, you never know for sure. And eat into the oven you shove. Smells like hamster love. I remember Dr. Demento used to play this song, but I always stayed away from hamster it. Hamster curry, a pickle toe, 
You know, uh, my brother Mike, uh, he's a, two years younger than me, two years less old, famous in our family for telling the same stories over and over and over again. Now, he has a new girlfriend who she's been in his life for a couple of years now. Oh, he must be she thrilled. Now, she now is at the saturation point where she has heard all oh, the she's stories. Oh, she's already yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. You know, love was in bloom at first and everything. Oh, he's so funny. I love his stories. Not anymore. Not anymore. You just said you told he's me exhausted. that story yesterday. Yeah. But he's the kind of guy, and I love my brother, but he's the kind of guy you'll say, Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. You already told me that story. We know this story. Doesn't matter. He'll keep going. He will finish the story. Yeah. Even though you've already told him, Hey, you know, I've, this is familiar territory. I've walked down this road before. Right. I know the story. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You're going to hear it again. Yeah. Uh, but the good thing about his stories, like mine, is there are new details that are added all the time. What began as a true story becomes a complete piece of fiction by the time I've told it several times. It's like and he, the game of telephone. Yeah, you just keep adding, changing, yeah, yeah. adding, changing. If you've ever been, um, if you've ever witnessed uh, a news event, if you've been at, at an event where there's been, like, let's say, an auto accident or there was a house fire or, or whatever, but you personally witnessed it. When you read it, the account of the same in the newspaper or see it on TV, it is not what you witnessed. It's different. So right. if you've experienced that a time or two, you should then question every time you see or hear a news story, well, maybe that's the way it went down. But from my own experience, I know it probably isn't exactly like that. You can have 10 people yeah. in a room and have something occur and then go interview each of those 10 people separately and you will not get two stories that line up exactly i know that is that yeah, is right. the lot of, of of us humans we see things through different eyes we see th things through different experiences and history and bias and quite frankly kind of how we're feeling at that moment in flies you know flies see things through different thousand eyes which too. by the way i just looked up if insects can survive the winter and just so you know they are still there oh i know because apparently they can, they're they would... meta metabolic rate drops so that they and they oh. actually believe it or not insects have body fat apparently they store that body fat so they can survive winter Hmm. So, um, so you you don't have to. The Beatles fine. The Beatles probably thinking this dude does not even know that I'm going to be totally fine outside. But if he wants me to sit in here and watch TV with him, I guess I will. And once spring comes around, I'm going to bite his ass. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to eat all his so plants. You, you, and you have no one to blame but himself because he kept me alive. Wow! Look at that big cobweb that's hanging over your oh, head yeah, right now. Look at that. Sorry look about that. that. Yeah. I tried to clean up a little before you came over, but... My wife, Patty, sees those things, oh, and, and men are not equipped to see those things for some reason. I, I know that's a generalization, but I don't see the cobweb. She's, she's always talking about, God, look how dirty the floor is, and I... I what? Where? Where? Right there. Do you <laughs> see that? Now, of course, we are inundated because of this particular house we are renting right now. It is. Uh, it has a lot of carpeting in it and but a lot of hardwood floors for whatever the combination of those floors makes uh the dog hair manifest everywhere dog hair that i never noticed before hmm. in this new house it's everywhere you realize how much uh, dogs like you and i have mm -hmm. do shed mm -hmm. 
Um, and that, but then, you know, a lot of it could be me. It could be back hair from me. I'll let the dogs take the blame for it. More than happy to yeah, do that. Yeah, should get that analyzed. It's dog hair in everything I do. It sticks to everything like glue. It's in my hair, it's on my face, it's in the couch, it's on my plate. Oh, there's dog hair in everything I do. So my wife is this wonderful animal lover. She's taught me, not through preaching, but just through example, to, to revere the wonderful life around us. Not just animals, but flowers and things I never really... I paid attention to as yeah. a guy because I grew up in a house with four other brothers and my mom was the sole sort of influence on on things mm-hmm. uh, about beauty and you know nature and all of that. Uh, so the very first date I have with my wife Patty, uh, she says, "Oh, here's my new kitty. I got a brand new kitty here." And I said, oh, yeah, because I wasn't into cats at all. I thought cats are kind of dumb. I, I like dogs. I didn't like cats at all. Yeah. Long story short, you're not going to be happy about this part. We are going on a date, and I back out of her driveway with her in the car with me, and we look back towards her house, and there is her brand-new kitty. Uh, what are you telling me? Don't tell me this. I had run over her God, new cat. God, Pat. Now, it wasn't entirely my fault, granted. I didn't know that. I don't know why the cat was outside. I hate when you tell me stories like this. It was horrible. Well, it's also a horrible way to start a relationship. And because we're both still trying to be, uh, you know, polite to each other. And so she didn't react in the way that she would react today if I did, if that happened. As she would have got, she tried to, oh, it's okay. It wasn't your fault. And then let's forget about it. But. It was bad. It was really bad. I don't even know what to say. Don't stop telling me stories like I that. I didn't even realize I was heading into that kind of story until I was already underway. So I won't tell you any more stories God. like that. Okay. Okay. I killed a plant the same day. <laughs> did you run over Can it? Can you handle that? Did you back over <laughs> it? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It was a God, philodendron. Man. I'll never forget it. He had so much, had so much to live for, and then I smashed <laughs> over no it. No one to talk to. Except for myself I feel as lonesome As a book on a shelf Oh, philodendron I'm talking to you How do you stay so green When I'm so blue well, 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 since we're talking about yeah. death, we can start off with we're, we're right at the very beginning of this year. This is um, while we're taping this still January, and I'm still stunned by the amount of people, celebrities that have shuffled off this mortal coil in the first 30 days of this year. I know. There's a lot of... Um, it, when when um, Carrie Fisher passed away recently... I was struck by how all these TV news shows led with that story. Right. In other words, that was the top story of the day. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that if um, it, and, and her mother Debbie Reynolds kind of got lumped into the story too. But fundamentally, I think the reason they led with the Carrie Fisher story is because 
they're thinking about who their audience is or who they want their audience to be. Mm-hmm. And and the, the you know people in the prime demo, uh, all who grew up with the Star Wars movies, uh, Princess Leia and all of that. This was a big deal to them, huge. Re- more recently now, with the passing of Mary Tyler Moore. Same thing happened. No? I didn't see it. I didn't see it at the top of newscasts in the same way. Maybe I wasn't watching the same ones you were, but it would be down third or fourth position. And to my mind, in terms of you know her her star power and right. uh, all of that, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, you could argue should have been. I think she a led bigger a, a bigger deal than than Carrie Fisher. There were a couple of newscasts that that did lead with it. But it also probably depended on the time of day, too. I mean, I know they were still doing lots of stories about her, maybe not leading the very next day as well. Yeah. They, well did then, a, they did a whole special on her um, on TV that very night. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I, I, I know. Nice, I thought that but, was wonderful. This, um, her show was on CBS, and it was a CBS special. Um, I think it, the single greatest comedic episode of television... Uh, and I still will say this in, until someone shows me something diff- better, was the Chuckles the Clown episode from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yeah. To me, and I don't know how many people listening right now might remember the details of it, but to me it it tapped into just a beautiful and such a true part of, of humankind in how we and just how we function. It mm-hmm. was so true. It was so accurate. And it was so funny mm-hmm. uh, and relatable. It has to do... Chuckles the Clown was this kid show host on, on the TV station that, the, that Mary's character worked at. It's a fake station in Minneapolis that she worked at. And, and, that, and she was working in the news department. But they had a kid show host named Chuckles the Clown who is killed and, it, and now he's dead in an accident with an elephant. I believe, and uh, and so in the newsroom, which is largely populated by men, and so the men are all making jokes, even though they all had an association with this fellow who played Chuckles the Clown. They still think it's kind of funny. They're cracking jokes about how he died, and, and you know that he, you know, had been mistaken for a peanut by the elephant, and he stomped on him or whatever. And Mary is mortified, and she's outraged that these guys can be so insensitive such jerks right. and making jokes about a man who's just died. And then, of course, as you know, if we fast forward to the actual funeral itself, and as the you know the preacher is saying his words about Chuckles the Clown, it's Mary who starts laughing. Right. And she Very does funny. it so splendidly. She can't, con- you know, that horrible feeling when you know you're not supposed to laugh it's and you can't stop terrible. yourself. Terrible. Everybody's it's experienced the it. the worst ever. It's, it's awful. Chuckles the Clown brought pleasure to millions. The characters he created will be remembered by children and adults alike. Peter Peanut. <laughs> Mr. Fee Five Four. <laughs> Billy Banana. <laughs> and my particular favorite, Aunt Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> and not just... Not just for the laughter that they provided. There was always some deeper meaning to whatever Chuckles did. <laughs> Do you remember Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo's little, little catchphrase? 
You remember how, when his arch-rival, Senor Kaboom, <laughs> hit him with a giant cucumber and knocked him down? Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo would always pick himself up. <laughs> dust himself off and say, I hurt my poopoo. <laughs> Life's a lot like that. From time to time, we all fall down and hurt our food. <laughs> if only we could deal with it as simply and bravely and honestly as Mr. Fee Fi Fo. And what did Chuckles ask in return? Not much. In his own words, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer, Donnie. <laughs> uh, excuse me, young lady. <laughs> Yes, you. Uh, would you stand up, please? Please, please, won't you? You feel like laughing, don't you? Don't try to hold it back. Go ahead, laugh out loud. Don't you see, nothing would have made Chuckles happier. He lived to make people laugh. Tears were offensive to him, deeply offensive. He hated to see people cry. So, so go ahead, my dear. Laugh for chuckles. And that spoke such a truth about how we humans are. It was lovely. It was funny, and it was smart, and it's the greatest single ep if i wrote that script then i wouldn't have to write another script i i just say that's my script it's the only one i ever wrote yeah there there you go and yeah. that would be testament enough so yeah. it, it's tremendous but it worked because of how skillfully she played you very underrated as an actress i think was not um was not uh, thought of as a comedian you know when she got her first job at, at uh, on the Dick Van Dyke show it was kind of a yeah. questionable hire because well, what she's in funny we we think of funny women like Lucille Ball and people but who's this mm -hmm. you know what show she was on before that I thought that was her first gig kind of it was uh, there was a show a TV show starred David Jansen who later played the fugitive on the old TV show by that name David Jansen was a detective named Richard Diamond, and she was his secretary in that show. But oh. the deal is, she you never saw her. You only saw her legs. Oh, really? Pretty wow. much. Wow. Interesting trivia. Or sometimes you might see the back of her head, but you would hear her voice. And that was her, well, at least one of her very first gigs on TV. Her character was named Samantha, or Sam. Um, Who's this? This is Richard Diamond of the Disintegrating Diamonds. Well, at least you're awake. 
Don't take any money on it, Samuel. You wanted me to make sure you were up. She's due at your home in about five minutes. Who's due? Dorian Crane. She lives on the right side of the tracks in Beverly Hills. What side is that? Mr. Diamond, the board looks like Santa Anita on getaway day. Uh, are you presentable? Sam, would I be talking to you if I weren't? Just checking, for Dorian Crane's sake. Bye. Goodbye, Sam. That's a, a remarkable passing indeed. And you can't believe it, you know, when you grow up with shows like that, you think, they were 80 years old? What? Yeah. By the way, I went to a supermarket last night, not far from here. And I'm checking out a line, and, and the woman behind the counter says, Hey, I know you. 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 And she to you? By, yeah, to me. I said, <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. She said, Yeah, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to tell my girlfriend that, I, that we had a celebrity here. You know, they, that, they always do it like that. Oh, that's so embarrassing. I know. I know. They say it like that. Yeah. And I, I never felt feel like a celebrity it's, no it's, we're not I'm, no I'm, what does that even mean but anyway so she said gosh you know what i have to tell you this you don't seem to age uh she and she said how old are you and i said so i'm making a joke because i always want to deflect that question i agree i, I said uh, uh i actually on my next birthday which is in two months i'll be 89 years old yeah and she goes you know you don't look it <laughs> I'm thinking she's going to laugh. She goes, oh, you don't look it. You didn't make it outrageous enough. You have yeah. to say 110. Doesn't 89 sound old enough? Not where you're at now. Yeah, that's a good point. You got to make point. it more outrageous. It's funny, though, as you do get older, and this <laughs> is true. That would have worked in your 20s, but it's not going to work now. 80 doesn't sound so old to me mm -hmm. anymore. You know, it sounds like, oh, she died too young. 80, yeah. just 80. I know. Yeah. And then you take your driver's license out and you go, what? Where did I leave my teeth? Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you Look at these old TV shows, and I've told you this one before, but I uh, remember one particular episode of The Lone Ranger where there's an old, old sodbuster, you know, the guy like that. And then at some point, a guy said, You know what? He's a, he's 57 years old. He's getting 57 was how old the old guy was. I'm thinking, Oh my goodness sakes. But people in old photos and old movies do look older. I mean, people look younger now. I agree. I don't not think... just surgery either. I think I don't know why. We maybe we're in better shape or something. I don't eating I, better, better medicine. Perhaps, perhaps I don't know. And better. I'll get back to this people dying thing in a minute. But it, this my you know my spastic grasshopper mind here reminds me that uh, a few moments ago, before I got here today, I stopped at the store and I looked, and there's this 24-hour fitness place. And it's the store right by my house. Yeah, you know yeah. the one? <clears throat> well, yeah, but I'm, I've never gone to the 24-hour fitness place. Yeah. I go to the store a lot and the liquor store right next to it. Those two, I'm yeah. in there all the time. Yeah. But yeah, 24-hour well, fitness. I understand, but I... I, I know, I'm not, well, I drive by it all the time. And I've never joined... And, and I like to jog and I, I, I like to stay reasonably fit, but I've never been a part of a fitness center. I've never gotten a membership and, and I just... That's not for me. I don't want to go... And work out with other people. 
sweaty people. I, yeah, I just don't want. I like the solitude of going for a jog, being by myself, and that you know whatever. But twenty-four hour fitness. I'm thinking now. Is there some guy that goes in? Well, it's three a.m. Think I might go work out. Yeah. But I guess there would be because yeah. people work different shifts. And well, it's a different world. People yeah. aren't working nine to five jobs as much as they used to. That's right. And that's right. So that's why I remember TV used to shut off at two in the morning. Yeah. Because they said, well, everybody's gone to bed. Guess we'll shut off programming. Yeah. And if you're of a certain age, like me soon to be 89, (laughs) uh, you will remember how TVs used to shut off. I used to do an imitation of it on on our radio show, and then I realized more and more that people don't even know what I'm referring to. And it would go to snow. So you know that like if your dad fell asleep in the chair, there's snow on the TV. The way it would go is there would be an announcer who would come on, we have come to the end of our broadcast day. Uh, We hope you'll join us tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. once again. Until then, good night. And then they would either play the Star Spangled Banner or Anthem. sometimes some stations would play a thing uh, about called High Flight, I think it was. It was a poem. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and danced the skies on laughter's silvered wings. And they'd show an Air Force jet getting higher and higher in the sky. Somewhere I've climbed. And then the big finish. I've trod the high, untrespassed sanctity of space put out my hand and touched the face of God. And then the station would turn off their transmitter, shut it down, and then the snow would appear. And that would be that. Right, because if your TV's still on, there's nothing for it to, yeah, to get. Yeah, it just, they just... I know, that just... Turn it off. It, it, it stuns young people today. Yeah. That what? What? You mean they you, weren't doing infomercials they, all night they, long? Right. They could have been making money. Why yeah. weren't they doing that? I know, it's crazy. It didn't exist, it's and crazy. it wasn't that long ago. Uh, so, anyway, this 24-hour fitness thing just made me wonder, when did this fitness thing really begin because I can think of my parents they didn't work out my dad didn't jog my mom didn't you know she didn't go to a fitness club or go to yoga classes or all of that wasn't it like the 70s is that when I'm just wondering when did it begin thinking about um, when I was a kid, President Kennedy, John Kennedy. Uh, Great. One of the greatest presidents ever, worst husband ever. Yeah. Yeah. He was a bit of a philanderer, they say. But he his, one of his big things was uh, about fitness, particularly among kids. And he didn't think that uh, just, you know, kids taking PE classes and uh, going bowling was, was getting them fit enough. So he even commissioned a song to be played in classrooms. It was called, uh, what was it called? The Chicken chicken Fat. That was the name of the song. I love that song. Yeah, here's Can a, we play it? Here's a little bit of it. Touchdown every morning, ten times, not just now and then. Give that chicken fat back to the chicken and don't be 
chicken again. No, don't be chicken again. Push up every morning, ten times push up, starting low. Once more on the rise, nuts to the flabby guys. Go, you chicken fat, go away. Go, you chicken fat, go. And so the idea was that kids around the country, uh, as part of the program in within their classrooms, would take a break at some point every day. They would play the chicken fat song, and kids would work out to it. Or they'd do jumping jacks or push-ups or whatever. The problem is the song is like six minutes plus long. Yeah. And kids were getting dead beat. Push-ups next, nice and steady, not too fast, ready. Push-up, down, every morning. I can't do it anymore. Starting low. That's fine. Why do you guys go work out? So what's happened here um, is... Quince has snuck into this room, which he shouldn't be in. Yeah. I have an all-glass garden room. And yeah, he it's a sees, beautiful room. And he sees a squirrel. Yeah, I saw the squirrel, too. He sees the squirrel. Sherman sees Quince seeing the squirrel. Right. And now everybody's going to get a spanking. Everybody's getting a spanking. You too, Pat. No, get no, over. no, wait a minute. You're getting a spanking, too. The dogs are just being dogs. Everybody get a spanking. Come um, meanwhile, I'm going to go deal with that squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> All we really are is squirrels. We're being hunted, we are squirrels. We are appealing, we are squirrels. My dogs love squirrels too. We this. want to gather nuts. But people splatter our guts. When they're on a country drive, it isn't easy to survive. And I know people love, they love squirrels, aren't they cute? Cute. Take a closer look at a squirrel, ladies and gentlemen. Don't say what you're going to say. They're it's not a, just a rat with furry tail. It's, a, it's what they are. They're Scientists have proven this. They're completely different. I'll look that up, too. Well, then why don't we love rats? We don't love rats. Well, exactly. You just said, well, then why do we love squirrel, rats? Uh, a, a squirrel is a, is a, it's a rat in squirrel's clothing. You're circling back now to the how do you identify which animal to yeah. let live and let not live. But I, I think you're right, because fur seems cute and cuddly right human beings like to that's why like, i think we love dad asner so much that <laughs> yeah. cuddly things and and they're cute and rats i know they don't have fangs but they seem like they have fangs don't well, you they think got, they got teeth yeah but i mean they fangs. i'm like caricaturizing them with fangs and red eyes that's what a rat looks like to me but a lot of people have pet rats well, I think it's what rats because do. It's that they come and they're they're vermin in the way that they they're, they're getting in and the they gar and they eat garbage, garbage and, and they, they spread, have disease. Spread disease. Yeah, and squirrels like that. are very. It's like my brother. Squirrels yeah. are not rummaging around the garbage and trying to bite your face off. They're and just. Believe me, I love squirrels. I think they're charming, but but it makes me rethink maybe my attitude about rats. Maybe I haven't given rats a fair chance. People have. I just Rats said that. Pets. I just said that. Oh, you did? Was I here? It's been the two of us need look no more. We both found what we were looking for. And what's really 
always sad is when they feed the rats or the mice to like if people, the people have the pet snakes. Mm, yeah. It's the food chain. This is why I tell you I hate nature. I know. This is why I, I, I hate it. You have made that abundantly clear. I hate you. it. But you're part of nature. You realize that, don't you? Well, so you what's your point? Well, I mean, you, so that I'm that because mean, I'm a part of it. I should love it. You mean you, you were filled with self-loathing? <laughs> well, I am. You, I have, li- hate, I hate have lots of books on that that I'm trying to get over that with. So Jack Lalane is believed. Oh, to I was going to bring him up. Is That's... To believed to have started the fitness craze. Okay, Jack. But Lillane. I don't know because I think it really hit its stride in the '80s. Didn't he come around in the '60s? Probably start with yeah. the. I still remember his TV shows in black and white and that yep. really ridiculous outfit. The tight outfit he would wear unitard he'd yeah, wear. Yeah, it was, a, it was a two-piece thing, but it was... I thought it was a one-piece thing with a snappy belt. Well, it could have been. Right? I, I, I and not, it wasn't down on his hips. The belt was like right up around yeah, his ribcage. Yeah, it was high. It was up just below his clavicle. Yeah. <laughs> and now, here is a man who will show you how to feel better, look better, Jack Lalane. Good morning. Happy Monday morning to you. Thanks very, very much for letting me come into your home. You know, my name is Jack Lalane. And I'm here for one reason and one reason only, to show you how to feel better and look better so you can live longer. Please keep your dial right where it is because I want to become real good friends with you. But he, you know, he, he put his muscle where his mouth was. He, he could, uh, you know, he'd demonstrate like he'd be pulling a railroad car with a chain or right. he, he had a... Uh, a rope in his teeth and he'd swim and pull an ocean liner behind him stuff like that uh he was uh yeah you, he that's was a good quite you, a personality i can't think of you know i i remember as a kid growing up you'd see these ads in the back famously for a guy named charles atlas who was that's just right. probably a fictitious guy but there would be cartoons in the back uh panel cartoons about a guy, a skinny guy, which I related to. I still I, remember these me. ads clearly. Guys getting, getting sand, sand kicked, kicked in his, in his face. face by a bully. And then, right. then the skinny guy's girlfriend saying, well, aren't you going to do something? Oh, I, what would I do? He'd probably I don't think beat, his voice would be that low. Beat, beat the crap out of me. I don't think his voice would be that Yeah, deep. probably. Right. Ah, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, look at him. He's got muscles. I don't. And he says, well, if that's the way it's going to be, maybe you and I shouldn't be girlfriend and boyfriend anymore. She implied that. Right. So then he gets this Charles Atlas course and uh, I'll show you returns to the beach what it, what appears to be like a week later because <laughs> <laughs> you want instant results exactly and then he beats the crap out of the bully and but he still just, has that voice that's the problem yeah come over here I'm come gonna... over here I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that's <Whoa>. a whole... <laughs> the bully's like whoa man that guy. He really beat the dickens out of me. And don't come around again, <laughs> Mr. Bullyman. He's good. All right, I'll, I know when I'm licked. Beat it. Now do you love me, Dolores? <laughs> well, no, now oh. I feel sorry for the bully. Yeah. I never can win with you. That's, by the but way. But anyway, this whole fitness <laughs> thing is just an interesting, it's not anything that, then, that uh, just suddenly I just noticed, but I, I just started wondering, when did it all begin? And. How did people live to be in their 90s and 100 years old before they all started getting fit? Well, that's I, what I'm saying. I, mean, I don't I wonder think if it, this, it, this, you know, was sort of right around the 50s and 60s, it looks like, when Jack LaLanne came out. And plus, that's probably when they started really implementing uh, um, PE 
uh, physical right. education in school. So yeah. you're right. When, you know, the people in Charles Dickens' era, they were dying at 35 because nobody was, you know, doing a push-up back then. Yeah. Well, they were working hard, and they were, in, in, in Dickens' London, they were breathing bad air and right. all of that sort of right. stuff. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess it's a, I mean, it is a good thing that we, but but we get so much information about what we should eat and what you shouldn't eat and what you should drink and not drink. And now we're deluged with the information and now and some of it contradicts itself. All of it contradicts all yeah. of it. So it just yeah. depends on if you really love coffee, you will go find articles that say drinking an entire pot of coffee in an hour is going to extend your life. Yeah. And I can find that article and go, okay, good. Now I feel much yeah. better. I'm vindicated. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, so. that, that is the nice thing. 24-hour fitness. Hmm. Well, I anyway, so I, I guess I've exhausted that topic. So we're got, we were busy talking about people that aren't fit anymore because they're not around anymore. And, uh, Quite a list already for the beginning of, of the year. And, yeah, who and, else and is on the list? The one that surprised me I hadn't heard about. Did you hear about this This in the new? I guess you did because you had mentioned you'd heard it, but I didn't realize that the author of The Exorcist died, William Peter Blatty. One, Will, of, William one of my <clears throat> favorite books. Excuse yeah. me. If your name is <clears throat> William Peter Blatty, you probably better become an author and not try to be an actor or a singer. <laughs> Why? There's lots of actors and singers that have dumb names. Ladies, give it up for William Peter Blatty. <laughs> I love you for sentimental reasons. Oh, he's dreamy. I want to be Mrs. Blatty. <laughs> I know. It's an unfortunate name. It sounds like bladder, I guess. Or, whatever. or flatty. Yeah, yeah. Or fatty. Yeah. Or splatty. But maybe that's why he tried to... Um, you know, uh, sophisticated up a bit by putting his middle name in there. Because if it was just Bill Blatty, yeah. that sounds like somebody would work on your car. Yeah. Or Peter <laughs> Blatty sounds like you better go see a urologist. Anyway, so The Exorcist, have you, I know you've seen the movie, but I want to talk about the book. Have you ever sat down and read the book? You put me in an awkward position here because, as, as you may know, I don't know how to read. Well, I was going to say something snotty, but I'm going to refrain. I'm going to take the high road. Go ahead and when, say it. When I feel like going low, I'm going to go high. Good for you. I know. <laughs> oh, you take the high road and I'll take the low road and I'll be in Scotland afar. No, but I, I I have never read the book. I oh, I don't God. cross I don't no. cross over. I, I mean, no, if I, you have to if cross I see over. A, if I see a movie that is really good, you have to cross over. One exception would be To Kill a Mockingbird. I, I that's one of my favorite movies, top five, and the book. Uh, I've, so I read the book too. But I if I really loved the movie and I saw it first. Chances are I'm not going to go read the book. But wait a minute. Don't you love the movie because you really love the story? And there, and you get to immerse yourself in that story more in a book than you do in the movie. I know. Now, I will say this. I often, it's, a, it's a time management issue for me. I typically will be disappointed if I've read the book first and then go see the movie. Yeah. So if I know it's a story I like, I'll make a point of seeing the movie first, and then I'll go back and read the book. But I've gone back and read... Um, Hot Tub Time Machine. That one. Yeah. Uh, Deliverance is a fantastic book. And right. the uh, movie was James quite Dickey, compelling. I think, wrote that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the 
Stepford Wives, another great book. Rosemary's Baby, another great book. Never read them. God, these are I've all seen the so movies. good. Uh, to Kill Them uh, or, or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I yeah. read that book. Yeah, I did read that They're book too. So that, good. That's another of my top five movies, by the way. So the 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 book that William Peter Blatty wrote, and he did a follow up. Um, uh, gosh, I got it on my bookshelf. I'll have to go grab it, which uh, was just just as frightening. But if you thought the movie scared you, The Exorcist, The Exorcist, the book, it's hard to read at night. It's very hard to read at well, night. Well, it's dark. And, and you, you hear, can't. The lights pour. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And doesn't the the music, this music. It drives it. Oh, yeah. gosh. It's the scariest piano plinking I've ever heard. Well, you can put uh, you can put up a who's who's list of scary movies, your top ten. The Exorcist goes right to the top for me. Well, we had it. I remember I saw it in a theater. I saw it with a friend of mine. Uh, I think we were in high school, college. Did you pee your pants? Pretty much. And I... How? What year was it? I so, stayed, what, 76... I, we'll see. See, I'm 80, 89 now, so it would have been. Yeah, when it, I think it was just out. Yeah. And we saw it, and then I went. I was staying at his house that night, and I I couldn't sleep. I never had a movie scare me so much, and I just it was so creepy. Uh, Linda Blair and the head twisting around, and the, the, I mean, I just oh my god. There's it a very me. good documentary, and I, and I was like probably in my twenties by then. There's a, well, you, there are lots of people older than you. Like it, a nobody kid. had ever seen anything like. It. In fact, yeah. they had uh, rated it. Uh, they wanted to rate it X because it was so frightening. They should have triple X for me. And there's a really good documentary. I don't know the name of it that actually talks about. Uh, the culture at the time, and uh, the movie coming out during those that that time, and the effect that it had on people. People were actually leaving the theater in, in tears and throwing up, Revolution. and yeah. it, it's really quite interesting. That is interesting. You wouldn't find a movie like that now, probably. I think we've we've been inured to things now. Right. We, we, we get, movies just try to top themselves for horror and graphic gore and all right. of that sort of stuff I, I i also grew up catholic and that there was a oh wow yeah that, that was not a popular uh, movie in in the catholic church because it, it was about and i'd never heard of anything like an exorcism before i didn't even know what that meant uh, what, i'm surprised what, that being raised catholic and being um to uh taught in a, in a catholic school that 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 you didn't know what that was. No, I didn't. They didn't teach about that. We well, but they, I just didn't know about it, or maybe I wasn't paying attention. Well, you that sure day. got schooled that night, didn't you? Ooh, my goodness, I was just oh, I I, and tell you the truth, I saw the movie, and I don't think I've ever seen it again, and I I don't think I ever will. You know what, though, honey, it's it not, won't hold up. It's not going to be that scary to you this oh, time. You should won't. go watch it. Okay. I'm back. You're right. It wasn't that scary. So speaking of another movie that affected me, uh, an actor in that movie passed away. John Hurt passed away oh, yeah. a few days ago. And he, of course, has done so much great work. And you can't, you can't forget him in The Elephant Man. But, the, but that wasn't the movie I remember him from. The movie I remember him from was that iconic scene in Alien, the original Alien with Sigourney Weaver that was scary released movie. in 79 or 80. Yeah, that was where great. It, great everybody, movie. Everybody calls it the chest burster scene. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> 
was the one I I could not believe what I was seeing on the that movie scared the H E double hockey sticks out of me. Yeah, you're Alien right. That, is, I forgot about that. I told you on the scary list mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, so he's he's gone as well. Yeah, well, I, I was first familiar with him, and in fact, you know, I always wanted to be uh, be a, challenged a little bit more by the kinds of entertainment that I watched, and so. This was when one of our kids was very little, and my wife and I couldn't go anywhere because we had to be at home with the kids. Oh, sorry, do you recognize that little no- noise? Uh-uh. That's the ESPN signal. Uh, does that mean some breaking news is happening? I have it on my phone, and I don't know why because it's. It, it, oh, here's the story that just broke. What, what could be so important in sports that it has to notify you of it? Russ and the Thunder visit fellow All Stars LeBron James. And Kyrie Irving in a matchup against the Cavaliers. I know. I got to get that off my phone. It's stupid. And it goes off, you know, if you're in the library or in church or something like that. But um, so, where? what was I? I forgot. I lost my train of thought. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. It was going to be fantastic. We were, we we're talking about Alien yeah. and how scary that was. Yeah. And. Yeah. And then, it's yeah. gone. It's yeah. fleeting. It's, it's gone. gone. It just took off in a yeah. spaceship. And I don't feel like rewinding the tape to see where it no. was. Because we really do want to... Oh, John Hurt. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, so I wanted to watch more sophisticated television instead of, you know, Mark and Mindy and all that. So I... <laughs> but why? Why are... I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> just I to thought, try to better yourself. So I thought, I've heard a lot of talk about this program called Masterpiece Theater. You know, and, and Alistair Cook was the... Good evening and welcome to Masterpiece Theater. And I always thought it would be funny to have, you know, uh, Alistair Cook lead into a presentation on Masterpiece Theater like... In part three of tonight's story, our hero, David Banner, finds himself becoming terribly enraged. As he does, he begins to grow. He turns a green color as he quickly enlarges to burst out of his clothing (laughs) to become muscular, huge, and furious. Tonight... Part three of The Incredible Hulk <laughs> on Masterpiece Theater. So I'd make fun of the show, but I never actually watched one. First time I ever watched, we got hooked on I, Claudius. Do you remember that? No, I never watched, never watched, I don't watch that. I, it's I'm not smart I'm sure it would it. still hold up. It, it has to do what with... Is I, what is it? I've heard of that. I've I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it is. Well, it's largely fiction. It's about Roman Emperor Claudius. It has to do with the assassination of Julius Caesar and a lot of other intrigue. And John Hurt played the wonderfully malevolent Caligula. I hear you're dying, great-grandmother. You won't forget your promise, will you? To make your goddess. And what makes you think that a filthy, smelly old woman like you could become a goddess? I don't need you anymore, you see, great-grandmother. My secret will die with you. You're going to stew in hell forever and ever. Let me tell you something. Silas has made another prophecy. Told Tiberius. He said, one who is going to die soon will become the greatest god the world has ever known. No temple to be dedicated to anyone but him in the whole Roman world. 
Not even to Augustus. Do you know who that one is? Me. Me. I shall become the greatest god of all. And I shall look down on you, suffering all the torments of hell, and I shall say... Leave her there. Leave her there forever and ever and ever. Now I did I watched the movie Caligula. Yeah. That was that was gruesome. Yeah. This is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a British production shot on videotape. Uh but it it, it was compelling and I saw actors like John Hurt for the first time I'd ever seen him. There were other actors too that you'd never seen them before and they were and then of course then you notice them in movies ever after. Oh, I remember him. Right. So I would recommend it's it's old. It's hard. It's got to be thirty years old plus. But I Claudius. Is there? It's like an eleven part series. Is there blood family. and stuff and people getting eaten by lions and? I think there might have even been. Uh, I and I can't believe it would be on PBS, but there might have been some nudity in it. I think there might. No, have been. there's yeah. not on PBS. Uh, That's against the rules. Well, unless, unless you're like a you're doing a National Geographic special and. Zimbabwe or something, there probably wouldn't be nudity, but uh, that's my memory, or at least it was certainly l- highly implied. Oh, there goes that oh, stupid geez. thing again. <sighs> what could one? possibly be so important? Nothing. Nothing's oh, in I threw it across the room. So John Hurt was splendid in that, and I've been a fan of his ever <clears throat> since. Um, so, yeah. Se- remember, only 70 years old. Do you remember the actual movie Caligula that Bob, that the... Um, the pup, the um, editor of Penthouse Magazine, Bob Guccione, produced. No. And it was like rated X, and it was just really disgusting. And it, Helen Mirren was in it. And, really? Yeah. And, wow. Um, I didn't uh, know that. Mal- uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell. It is, oh, Malcolm McDowell. It's like it. That's right. soft porn. It's, yeah. it's a, and it's so graphic. They've, they're cutting things off of boys in that movie they shouldn't be cutting off. Like sideburns? If you just want, just get get a bottle of really cheap rum some night. Okay. And <laughs> let me write that down. Cheap rum. What? Like what? How cheap? Just don't pay more than Homemade. ten. Don't pay more than ten bucks for okay. it. Okay. And then rent or stream Caligula came out in 1979. I'm not going to. A very it. young Helen Mirren, by the way. I don't think she gets naked in it. But if yeah, it's just Bob Guccione, and so there's tons of. Penthouse playmates that are in this. Oh, <laughs> oh well, maybe I was a little hasty. I knew I was. <laughs> hey, speaking of, and they're uh, such poor actresses, and they're just there in the movie <laughs> for the boob factor. Oh. And it's just, it's wow. really quite, That's... it's quite astonishing that this movie got made. And yeah. I'm sure Helen Mirren would love it if we would forget that she yeah, was. I'm, in I bet it. she would. Yeah. You know, speaking of Playboy models and stuff, I did not realize. Uh, uh, that Playboy uh, had naked women pictures in it because I had always was interested in the articles oh, and, yeah. and the and the interviews. I'm sure you are. Yeah, I'm not even going to let you just kind of keep going with that. I mean, they were com- that- some of them were completely naked. I am told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my bullshit button? I think that button is broken. It doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> yeah.
I got to put new batteries in because I've used it a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good to have one. I encourage a lot of people uh, to, to get one of those. Um, so, yeah, and then to bring it to more uh, to people that we actually, you and I have actually met before, uh, a couple people um, passed away here in the Northwest that uh, were significant people. And uh, the first of them is a name many of you probably had never heard of before. His name was Bob Walsh. Uh, he, uh, I got to know him pretty well over these last few years. He was uh, 76 years old. And Bob Walsh um, was probably stood about five foot nothing. Really? He's a diminutive fellow. Yeah. But he uh, was, I guess for lack of a better word, a uh, an impresario. He was an entrepreneur. He was a promoter. Uh, he would be in a public relations hall of fame. This guy would... Uh, almost independently put deals together to bring big events into Seattle and and into the Northwest, particularly sporting events. Um, the, so he uh, was a promoter, an agent? Uh, I don't know what... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was... It would be hard to say he was specifically this, because right. he did all... He had his hands in all kinds of different things. Uh, for one time, for a while, he was the general manager of the Seattle Supersonics, uh, and stuff. So he did all kinds of different things. But back in 1979, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. And uh, that seemed beyond the pale to uh, the president and the United States. And so we issued an ultimatum about that. And Jimmy Carter made the announcement and the decision that, guess what? The United States is not going to participate in the Olympic Games to protest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russia's involvement in uh, Afghanistan, and it stood up, and and we did we did not have any, uh, a U.S. contingent in that Olympic Games. So Bob Walsh comes along, uh, in it uh, whether the idea initiated with him or it was a combination with other people, he came up with an idea for a thing called the Goodwill Games, and it was going to be it was in 1990, and it was a, a fundamentally a replacement for the Olympic Games that the U.S. didn't take part in. And it was to extend an olive branch and say, look, this is sports. Let's let's put all the acrimony aside and all, all the divisiveness and hatred and let's just get together and we'll have we'll have a, a, a friendly game. There'll be track and field in it, just like the Olympics, and there'll be all these other events. And it, they had it in Seattle, Goodwill Games. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Uh, and he partnered with uh, TBS, Ted Turner's own TBS yeah. at the time. And uh, and so it was going to be a nationally broadcast and was on TBS. At the time, I was working at King TV, and King became a partner in this thing, and uh, Bob Walsh. Uh, so that's when I first got to meet him. I remember I got to go to Atlanta because we were going to meet with these with these TBS people, and they were going to plot this whole thing out. And so on my resume, you know, you ever put things on your resume that if anybody really questioned you closely. I would never do that. They, that would be. They dis- would say, wait a minute. That'd be dishonest. Cashman, it says here <laughs> that you were a sports reporter. And I said, yes, I was a sports reporter for the Goodwill Games. And I did one 
one sports report, but that technically I did a sports report. Yeah, that's exactly right. That counts. I interviewed a sprinter uh, and long jumper named Carl Lewis, who won a bunch of gold medals at Olympic, very famous. And and I was and I was getting I was wearing an earpiece, and I, these guys back in the station are going, Cashman, get an interview with him. Get an interview with the winner of that race. And I knew it was it was uh, Carl Lewis, and there's a big bunch of people around him and he was trying to leave and go to the locker room and I remember this so well I put my hand out and I pushed his chest to hold him in place because I wanted to ask him a question and I can you never touched him yeah I, I, I held him from leaving wow uh, and he and I remember the look on his face like what the hell are you doing who are you what is it? but fortunately for me he did not Punch you in the face. Punch me in the face. <laughs> Instead, politely and nicely answered my question. So I got my big wow. my big interview yeah. moment, and I felt okay. But I, it was against my nature to be that intrusive. And uh, so anyway, that's my my sports yeah. story. But that's <laughs> that again happened because, under the watch, kind of 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 Bob Walsh. He the, it is said that he might have brought perhaps as many as eighty events to Seattle. You might remember the Bolshoi Ballet came here during that time period. Mm. He was responsible for that. I, I didn't live here in the 80s. There so was a famous a circus, the Mo Moscow Circus or something. That came here. So yeah. all of these different events, in addition to the Goodwill Games themselves, were part of it. It was a it was a significant thing mm -hmm. uh, and, a, and important for the city of Seattle. Uh, Bob Walsh, uh, instrumental in making that happen. Uh, the uh, There's an expression, There's a there's a term for... The college basketball championships in March that you hear bandied about all the time, they call it March Madness. Right. Bob Walsh credited with inventing that oh, cool. those two, that two-word phrase to describe that period. So he brought the Final Four here, uh, NBA All-Star Game, lots of stuff. Uh, just a neat guy. Ne probably never made a dime. He wasn't a wealthy man. Uh, he didn't make a lot of money at it, but he loved what he did. And he died, of all places, uh, on a trip he made to Tbilisi in Georgia, a former Soviet republic, back where he just loved to be. Mm. He, he he was friends with Edward, Sh what's his name, Edward Sharonadze, I think. He, but he rubbed shoulders with all of these people, the Gorbachevs and all these people. He, they knew him by his first name. And he was this uh, a name that if... He was walking down the street in Seattle. Nobody would even know who he was. Yeah. But he had this fantastic international reputation and and just a life well lived and unbelievable stories. I'll tell you just one more story about him, okay? Because yeah. this is, I mean, he, the guy he, had, he we talked for a while about me writing a screenplay about mm -hmm. his life. Um, a after a short period of time, I realized I said, Bob, this is five screenplays. This isn't one. You could take anything that happened to you and make a full-blown movie out of it. When he was in Russia at one time, he met this woman, and he fell in love with this Soviet woman. And they got married, and they moved to the United States. And somewhere uh, along the course of this marriage, he makes the discovery that she is KGB, and she is a Soviet spy. Wow. And married him so she could get a visa to come into the United States. Oh. Isn't that something? Wow. And obviously that marriage ended, but uh, it's just it's just an amazing 
amazing life. His stories, is, you could you could spend weeks listening to all these stories. Not made up. It really happened. Yeah. To this, by all appearances, inconsequential person that you would never never think could could swing all of these deals and and live this kind of life. He was an amazing guy. Sorry I went on so long, but he, he was a pretty special person. Another guy that has passed away, and by now you would know this, uh, if you were grew up in Seattle, or perhaps even if you didn't as a kid, Stan Borson yeah. was, uh, he was uh, an entertainer, <clears throat> played the accordion, uh, sang lots of silly kind of Scandinavian-based songs, but he was probably most well-known in these parts as a kid show host. Mm -hmm. And he was a contemporary of other kid show hosts. That was in the days when stations had local people that did kid shows. And, you know, J.P. Patches, Brakeman Bill, mm -hmm. Captain Puget was another guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Stan was on the air for a long time on King. He had a thing called King's Clubhouse. Are you ready, no more? Are you ready? Me, me, my mom. Well, for are you here today, too? Yeah, oh, for goodness sake. Here we go. All together now. Zero dock, a smooch, a crock, a halabaloo's a bug. That's a secret password that we use down at the club. And zero dock, a smooch, a crock, a halabaloo's a fan. Who's now you are a member of King's TV Club. Not a lot happened. It, it did go in, and it was very laid back. It wasn't frantic and crazy. Not, not as crazy as the J.P. Patches show. Somebody told me once that J.P. Patches was the show that kids wanted to watch. Right. Because J.P. was kind of an insurrectionist and a troublemaker, and he was like a kid. He was like a big kid. Right. Uh, Stan was the show that your parents would prefer that you watch. <laughs> they liked his humor. Yeah. It was always clean. Uh, and uh, something I didn't know about Stan Borson, who, by the way, died at the age of 91. <clears throat> something I didn't know about him. He made an appearance on the Lawrence Welk show in 1957. Uh, playing his accordion? Playing his accordion oh, and cool. singing a song <clears throat> called Walking in My Winter Underwear. And I found that appearance on YouTube. And I'll play that when we close out the podcast. But I would have loved that because he was funny. Because otherwise, I, the Lawrence Welk show to me was torture. My parents watched no it kidding. every week. And yeah. we, so we kids had to watch it. We only had the one yeah. TV. Oh, and my that was God, back in I the day when show. you only had three channels. Exactly. The champagne music of Lawrence Welk. It's the Lawrence Welk Dodge Show. Brought to you by the Dodge Dealers of America. Parents loved it. Kids hated it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greetings, my friends. Welcome to our Dodge Show. So that Stan Borson a genuinely amusing person would be on the Lawrence Welk show would have been a revelation if I had known uh, about it and was around in 1957 to watch it. But uh, just a wonderful, kind man. What you, what you saw on TV was just who he was, just a sweet, sweet man. He uh, did an appearance 
I did a, I emceed a memorial service for J.P. Patches, whose real name was Chris Wiedis. It turns out he and Stan Borson were very good friends. He and their respective wives were good friends. They did stuff together. Even as their kid show hosts on rival stations mm-hmm. in town, they're buddies mm-hmm. in real life. I just thought that was... So I asked Stan, and he you know, was in his late 80s at the time I asked him, if he would if he would make an appearance at this memorial for his friend Chris Wiedis, he agreed. But at that, even at that time, Stan was pretty frail. Mm-hmm. He's, he, you know, he, he's pretty old, and he couldn't. He said, "You know, Pat, I can't hold an accordion anymore. It's too heavy for me." Mm-hmm. So we came up with the idea that why don't you play your Zero Dacus Mucho Crocus song, this one? But instead, at the memorial service, he did it uh, on the piano. So we did a bunch of rehearsals earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and I have to tell you, every rehearsal was a disaster. He mm-hmm. couldn't remember the words. He mm-hmm. couldn't play it well on the piano. And I, and so I started getting very worried. I said, the last thing I want to do is is for this to be embarrassing for Mr. Borson, because there's going to be a lot of people at this thing. But in the old showbiz axiom, when... When the real deal came around, along and, and we introduced him, he was tremendous. He was funny. He was sharp. He played played well, sang well. It was triumphant. And it's it just, you hear that cliche a million times, the show must go on. Mm-hmm. But man, he, he, uh, he did a wonderful job and, and really was the capper to a wonderful memorial service for his very good friend. And he went on to do... Um tours for people in Washington State with his wife, which I thought was yeah, they, very could, cool. You that could people, sign up for a European tour. Mm-hmm, and The Borsons would be the host. Yeah, of course, the people who know him and love him thought, you know, that's great to have Stan Borson be the tour guide. And He's going to be cracking us up the whole time. Yeah, so, yeah. and he did that, I guess, well into his 70s before he retired yeah. from that. Yeah. And he his retirement um, uh, uh, reason was... Do you remember he just said, I just don't good, look good naked anymore? Yeah, that was another Very funny. Song. That was Very a, funny. an old Chev Woolley song. Yeah. I stepped out of the shower. I got a good look at myself. I'm getting bald. I got a punch. I thought it was somebody else. Then I caught a glimpse in the mirror on the back of the bathroom door. And I just don't look good naked Stan was a throwback to a simpler time and maybe for some a happier time. One thing's for sure, if you can make Lawrence Welk cool, you got something going. Thank you. Now I'd like to bring you our Norwegian friend once again, Stan Borson. You may introduce the next number. Thank you a lot. You know, folks, my favorite hobby is to take songs that are very popular, then change the words and see how long it takes them to become very unpopular. And I've been having marvelous luck with this song I'd like to sing for you right now. I'd like to sing it first the right way, and then like my Uncle Torvald in Seattle, Washington, sings it. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in the winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is the new bird. He sings a love song as we go along. 
walking in the winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman, then pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man. But you can do the job when you're in town. And later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made walking in the winter wonderland. Here we go. to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. <laughs> <laughs>